be this amazing charity and organization with all of these amazing people. You have intuition. I like to find the guys, guys like this. When opportunity knocks, Dawson answers. Uh, Elijah or more first last name either or uh, Victor Cruz the salsa man <laughs> there's a name uh, yeah dude this is how we this is how we do it <laughs> now we know yeah and they just want to keep things vanilla and I he did this and he did that and he wilded me and white what what guess we gotta roll out the carpet for the boss man that's where who's the prophet came from but we're gonna stiff arm you stay right there sir you cannot come any closer because you look nice it's fine welcome back to the dynasty wire this is your host iowa i am here again with my co-host who averages more stats per week than derrick henry has carries our own henry st Clair. Thanks, man. Yeah, I know I uh, I like to flood the group chat there with, you know, statistics and all this stuff and uh, gets on some people's nerves from time to time, but it's all in good fun. So looking forward to another great show. Yep. The truth hurts sometimes. <laughs> also today, very, very special guest, the founder and CEO of 32-Bit and the Sleeper Wire Show, the network you're listening to right now, the co-founder of Draft Night Out. You might have heard several amazing ads from Sheehan on the Sleeper Wire Show for this. He is also an expert consensus ranker at Fantasy Pros. He is a mod for Sleeper HQ, a newsbreaker, and this man provides opportunities for so many people in the fantasy football industry. Who's the prophet? Use the prophet. Welcome to the show, boss. Wow, man. That's I, I, we can just end the show. I can you can cut it off. I'm just gonna listen to that all day. And my wife can call me an asshole. My kids can say I'm a jerk. I'm gonna just put that in my headphones and just listen to that all day and just be in my own little world. I mean White, what, 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 that was quite the intro. <laughs> I haven't been doing Twitter very long. The bird app, as they call it there. The bird app is, is, uh, is where it's at. If you're doing this, if you're listening to us, you're probably on the bird app as well. It's where you get most of your news. If you're not on sleeper, I'm getting that news there following the, uh, beat reporters. So you don't have to, even though I will say, go ahead and follow these beat reporters. They are our eyes and ears on the ground. Before I followed a bunch of fantasy analysts, I followed the beat reporters because the fantasy analysts follow the beat reporters and that's where they get the news from. And then they, you know, give it to you. And you think it's these brilliant people, these brilliant minds, and sure, they analyze it. You know, some beat reporters, they see stuff and they don't report it as well. But this is how we this is how we do it. This is how we get all the information, decipher, break it down, and let you know what's real, what's fake. It's the beats. Shout out to On Beat. Go ahead and, uh, you know, check out On Beat too. another sleeper wire slash 32-bit product that uh, we're putting out for you guys. Yeah, man. If you're playing Dynasty, it might be on Sleeper, and you're the one breaking the news to us there. So you get a interesting group of information. You, know, you get information from a variety of sources. So, you know, here on the Dynasty Wire, I'm really curious, like, what is your, like, your mindset or your overarching overall approach to Dynasty? I like to find the guys that not everyone is talking about. So that leads you in a dark place where there's not always the right answers. <laughs> You're going to pick up some guys that may not do as well. You're going to reach for some guys, you know, a guy I reach for a lot 
in my fantasy drafts, this is a hit, you know, so I'll, I'll go ahead and see a, uh, one that didn't hit later, but Elijah Mitchell. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It's not because I was only in an Elijah Mitchell and I watched his college stats and I, he did this and he did that and he wowed me and... No, you know why I have a ton of Elijah Mitchell on my on my dynasty teams? Because he's a 49ers running back. No, because I got his name mixed up <laughs> with Elijah Moore. <laughs> so I knew there was an Elijah out there that I needed to have. It was Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Moore. By the time I was done with my leagues, I had two Elijahs. And I was like, it's fine. But I also felt good about him. It's weird. When you're drafting or when you're playing fantasy football, some people, and I think everybody does, we just don't pay attention to it. You have intuition. You know, you, you, there's things that just kind of speak to you. You, don't, you can't explain it. You know, it might just be like a, a guy's name. You could have never even seen him play football. You just like, I like that guy's name. I don't know. It's weird. Maybe it's not for everybody. This does happen to me, though. It's weird. A guy's name will pop up in my head, and I'm like, I like that guy's name. Let me look into him some, some more. I, I look into that guy some more and then I'm like, oh yeah, I do like this guy even more. And it's weird. It's more of an intuition thing. I think that's where who's the prophet came from. I'm not the guy that's out there grinding tape all day. You know, I'll, I'll point to, you know, Henry and I'll, I'll point to Iowa. I'll point to DG. I'll point to Sheehan, all, all of our other great people that we have in the network. Those guys are grinding that kind of stuff. Not to say I'm not, but I'm more of an intuitive guy. And the guys I like to 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 lean on in Dynasty are those guys that speak to me intuition-wise. Because if you're playing Dynasty, we all have more knowledge than the average fantasy football player. Unless you're just doing it for the first year and you're just getting your feet wet. But if you're playing Dynasty, you're probably a little savvier than uh, you might be in 12-team leagues, 14-team leagues, 16-team leagues, 18-team leagues. You're, you got... 28-man rosters, 30-something, 40-man rosters. You're drafting six-rounders, you know, six-round picks. So it's so deep that you just kind of have to pivot a little bit. And you're looking at the guys, you know, like the guy that's been, I was thinking about today, Gary Brightwell. Gary Brightwell, I mean, he's not an impressive uh, guy based on his college career, based on where he was taken in the draft. But I want to know, as of this point, David Gettleman is pretty much knocked out the park of all of his draft choices. I want to know if Dave Gettleman lives in the future and Gary Brightwell is just another star from his draft. I know he didn't get much, you know, run uh, against uh, the Cowboys, but it's the Cowboys. Do you want to give a rookie run? No, you're not going to give a rookie run uh, against the Cowboys. And this might all be for nothing. I'm going to talk about Gary Brightwell and he might be nothing at the end of the season. But I, I want a piece. I want a piece because Devonta Booker, he plotted for 42 yards, 16 carries, caught a couple balls, caught a touchdown, ran in for a touchdown. This guy, is he's got some size on him. He's 5'11". He's only 22 years old. He's 215. He, he's got that straight speed. You know, like that straight, he doesn't have too many gears. He's got that one. But yeah, guys like this and the obscure names. That's that's what I mean. The guys like this, it's not necessarily Gary Brightwell, but guys like it. So Austin Eckler, a couple years ago before he was Austin Eckler, he was one of these Gary Brightwell types guys who I was really high on. And now Austin Eckler is Austin Eckler. I'm not saying Gary Brightwell is going to be Austin Eckler, but this is how I get by in Dynasty. Grabbing the guys that nobody really cares about, people are writing off, so I get them for free. 
and I'll, I'll just see how how they do. That's typically my approach. Other than that, I'm you know I'm pretty much a zero RB guy for the most part. I think running backs get hurt the most out of any other. They, they touch the ball the most. They run into a wall of of big people <laughs> like every play, and I can't really invest in them unless I know that they're studs. Then I'll feel fine with paying picks for them, but I don't want to draft them and wait and see. Uh, interesting points there. A bunch of good ones. Eckler, Gary Brightwell has more draft capital than Eckler had. He was an undrafted <laughs> free go. agent. And, you know, you said savvy gamers. I think if anyone was picking Elijah or more first, last name, either or, I think they were doing well. I definitely understand the aspect of names playing into draft position in like your rookie drafts because, you know, Henry, the <laughs> ongoing joke is that why was Donovan Peoples-Jones and Amir Smith-Marset overdrafted? Well, they have hyphenated names. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's a great point. It's a great yeah, point. Anytime there's a dude with a hyphenated name, you got to watch out for him. You're talking about stud running backs. That's the whole reason we're talking about Gary Brightwell. We saw Saquon go down. Looked really scary. Luckily, it doesn't sound like it's going to wind up being that bad for him long term. Uh, they did bring Devontae Booker in on a relatively big contract for a backup running back. Two years, five and a half mil. Preseason, there was all the talk of, is it going to be Corey Clement? Is it going to be Booker? I don't even know the Clements on the roster anymore. Brightwell mentioned it, 211-215, but he always looked big. He always looked like a bowling ball. I was surprised to see Devontae Booker is actually a bigger guy than Brightwell. Uh, when Saquon went down, it looked like Booker got all the work, but we did see Booker inactive two or three weeks ago. Coach's decision, Brightwell, the backup running back at that point. So I personally am not looking to play either of them this week, but it will be interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah, and who's mentioned it there? RB fragility, Saquon hurt. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out there. The Giants have had a variety of injuries, especially at the wide receiver position. And someone who's kind of risen out of somewhere, not necessarily nowhere, is Kadarius Toney. Who's, what, do you, what do you think about him? I'll be honest. I've been being honest. You know, I could have told you, listen, I have Elijah Mitchell rostered as my second most rostered player because I was all over him. No, he was cheap. I like cheap guys. <laughs> That's the reason why I like him. Kadarius Tony was not cheap. Kadarius Tony was a guy we spent a mid round pick for who a lot of people figured was a gadget guy. And what did he look like? An amazing gadget. I mean, he looked like the best gadget in the tool shed. He had 8% of snaps week one. Now what you want, 28, 66, 78, and then the explosion. Only on 54% snaps. And then Mike Glennon targets him. I want to say out of those 13, he targeted him like eight, eight or nine times. Like some ridiculous uh, target share. He looks like a glitch, like just hard to tackle. He's really impressed me. Mm -hmm. he, he, he's kind of puzzling just because I, I, I don't know who really expected this from him other than like a Stan Giants fan. People are talking about Kadarius Tony, but as like a late second rounder, you know, um, the only reason why he was drafted as a late second rounder in dynasty leagues is because he was a early first rounder or well, a mid first rounder. Mm -hmm. But I don't think anyone would have drafted him until maybe the third or fourth round. If he wasn't, you know, you're taking draft capital at that point. He only went in dynasty leagues because of draft capital. I mean, I have Dwayne Eskridge. He's a second rounder. Uh, I'm not going to do anything with that guy, but I drafted him at the end of the second, early third because of draft capital. We hear a lot of draft capital, draft capital, draft capital, draft capital. And I'm not, 
as big into all of that talk as a lot of people that I respect in the community. And it's not because I don't believe in it. I just, I'm just not that big at it. I'm, I'm new to Dynasty. I've been playing Dynasty for three, four seasons now. It's grown into one of my favorite formats, the aspect of you running your own team. I mean, every year there's going to be these these guys that we don't really know. We, we don't know. Jamar Chase is a guy that people faded because of preseason. You know, I mean, he's the number seven wide receiver on this on the year. I, I think we expect him to finish sort of like Justin Jefferson. And I know he was drafted as a wide receiver one. Everyone expected him to be, but how quick people are to fade people is, is what I'm getting at in a dynasty. And you kind of have to pivot unless you have one of these high picks. And I'm not a fan of keeping picks. I want talent on my team now that I know is going to do well. Those rookies, uh, I'll pay for them. I'll pay for them appropriately or even overpay for them once I know that they're studs. It's funny you said Justin Jefferson there because there were leagues where like Justin Jefferson got dropped at the beginning of last year. Well, Kadarius Tony was dropped in one mm-hmm. of my leagues towards the beginning of the year here too. Like you said, with draft capital there, it's like picking between two lottery tickets where one, you have a slightly better chance of scratching off a winner Right, is when you're weighing in draft capital. They're going to spend a first round draft capital. They're going to not want to have egg on their face so they're probably going to give this guy more opportunities than maybe even he deserves just so that they don't look wrong some people were scared off of Kadarius Tony, but he's you know changing positions and whatnot which leads to that late breakout which is something a lot of people look for there so definitely understand the worry with like Kadarius Tony, and you know he had a whole bunch of catches and one completed punch which that is the uh problem that Sheehan has pointed out that this guy might be a knucklehead so there might be that factor you kind of got to weigh in there I don't know uh, how are you looking at this Henry it certainly puts knuckles to heads <laughs> we saw him perform really we touched on it with Slayton out Shepard out Galladay out it was the Kadarius Tony show I mean Evan pro bowler Ingram out there not necessarily soaking up the targets Barkley out where else is the ball gonna go he looked good he looked uh, electric after the catch certainly was a first round pick a lot of people didn't have him pegged as that I did a lot of teams did too the Jaguars said they were heartbroken that he wasn't there for them that the Giants sniped them right yeah yeah that was interesting certainly a talented player played at Florida alongside Pitts why a lot of people discounted what he did they go well if Kyle Pitts is on the field someone else can get open because he's getting double teamed I think he'll be an okay player looking for a lottery ticket the ideology here should be the cheapest lottery ticket with the biggest payout right you're looking for those scratchers that you can win 10 million dollars on for 25 cents not trying to buy a five dollar ticket to win 10 grand why would i do that right makes sense who's i know you're a big basically a new york football team fan (laughs) yeah here with like the bills there's a been a debate for a long time between devin singletary and zach moss and it's kind of been back and forth and you know there's been some weeks where they split carries do you have an opinion on that backfield i do and i really like that backfield the problem with that backfield is that backfield is manned by Josh Allen, and Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in our league, so why would they use that backfield as much? Zach Moss is very good. Devin Singletary, although the narration will tell you otherwise, he's very good. He's very good. He breaks tackles. I know people hate yards per carry, but if you're watching film and you're looking at yards per carry, then you can make sense of it. If if you're just looking at some crazy splash play and then the rest of his plays are like two yards, two yards, two yards, I get it. But if you're moving people 
you got you got a team on you and you're moving them that that means something to me but i don't really want much to do with this backfield as much as i like it they're just not using these guys the way we would like them to be used i think they like zach moss a little bit more i don't think zach moss is necessarily better Look, in every job, there's a bit of schmoozing. There's a bit of, you know, I like this guy more than I like that guy. And I think they just like Zach Moss more than Devin Singletary, maybe personality-wise, whatever the reason. Because I don't think they're that much, call me crazy, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will, because you have Zach Moss stands. And the the narrative of about Devin Singletary is he's bad. It just, that's, that's what I hear everywhere. And I was like, dude, you don't watch football. You can't tell me that. And you say you watch football. I don't believe you. So the backfield is very good. It just sucks because they have Josh Allen as their quarterback. So had they had uh, a pocket passer. Yeah. You know, somebody that's not as great. Those guys would be a little bit more explosive because they both have explosiveness. Devin Singletary's, you know, I don't want to sound like a stand because I'm not. I'm just, again, we're talking about value. He's a cheap guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do have a bit of Devin Singletary on, on my fantasy teams. But I have Zach Moss as well because both of them were so cheap in the offseason that I just like, hey, you know, let me have that old backfield rostered versus seeing if, you know, this is the guy or that's the guy. I like having whole backfields and I do like having my backup as well. Uh, that's not to say that I don't want somebody else's backup. But I like to sleep at night knowing that the guy that I'm starting, I already have his, I have Joe Mixon. I want Chris Evans. Understandable there. I think uh, Singletary is really similar to Moss in a bunch of ways, like you alluded to there with Burst. Zach Moss is just a little taller, a little heavier, a little bigger. For whatever reason there, it does seem like they like Moss more. But like you said there, with Josh Allen at quarterback, you know there's going to be X amount of touchdowns taken away from the backfield where he's running them in instead. You know, in a game, how many times are they going to get into the red zone where the running back gets to be the one to get the touchdown? So that like elite level of ceiling is just, it isn't in the range of outcomes for either guy, especially having both of them there. I do kind of like having both of them with the idea that like if one went down and it wasn't splitting like 11 carries and 13 carries, then maybe you'd have uh, the dominant leader in the backfield. But Henry, I know you love Moss. I was Moss the whole offseason. <laughs> it's just like the Rams, right? The Rams take Daryl Henderson, and he was all right. And then they take Cam Akers. They're telling you something. They're telling you that, that Daryl Henderson was he was a good running back. He was okay, but they were looking for more. The Colts had Marlon Mack. He was all right, but they wanted more. They wanted Jonathan Taylor. The Bills had Singletary, and they went out and got Moss. And he was injured a lot of last year. He hasn't necessarily been so much better than Singletary. Singletary's a fine player. But we saw week one, Moss, a weird inactive. It was like his aunt died or something or another. It was all yeah, it was personal. It was all kept secretive and it seemed like he was injured again and you heard the narrative. Moss can't stay healthy, this, that, and the other. He's been out snapping Singletary every week for the last three weeks here. Singletary down at twenty six percent of snaps last week, saw Moss on seventy four percent. He's looking to take over that backfield. I've been saying it. He's kinda like the Pollard of that backfield, uh Singletary that is. Right? He gets the between the twenties work. They'll give him the between the tackles. He's a fine runner, but they put Moss in on the receiving downs, the third down and the goal line work and that's where you're going to get your fantasy points from we've seen moss kind of score the last couple of weeks and that's no coincidence it's because he's on the field near the goal line yeah and uh, i was going to say i feel like even if one of them gets injured it's just not a backfield where you want to have rostered uh, 
one of those guys. I mean, obviously it's it's sexier, but if one of these guys gets injured, I w- I'm going to trade that player. So if Zach Moss gets injured, I'm trading Singletary. If Singletary gets injured, I'm trading Zach Moss. That's a great strategy. They're still tied into that. They're still tied to Josh Allen. Everything you just said, Nick, about the red zone and touches and opportunities, it still applies. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that there's one less running back, it still applies. We can throw it. We can run it in with Josh. We can. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of thing options they have. And as much as I like those backs, I just don't feel like I can use those guys other than a RB2 or a flex in any situation or bi-week replacement, even if a guy goes down. That's perfect time to sell. Perfect time. I just think with Josh Allen being the quarterback, and most times you want a great quarterback tied to your to your running back. But in this instance, I mean, you look at Kyler Murray, got James Conner and Chase Edmonds. You fighting over any one of those guys? Sure, you want them on your team, but you're not climbing over anybody to get those guys. You know, Lamar Jackson, you know, same thing with the CEH, you know, and now he's injured. Darrell Williams. Now they're talking about bringing in Marlon Mack. There's these top quarterbacks and they're running back tied into that offense. Narr- narratives control a lot. And I think that that's a, another narrative situation where you want the running back tied to a top offense and you kind of don't. I mean, you do, but you don't want to pay the top price. Like look at Leonard Fournette. If you got Leonard Fournette and you waited, all of these guys, you're kind of, you waited on these guys in the draft other than CEH. Tied to these top tier quarterbacks, you waited on the running back other than J.K. Dobbins, which you, you probably wish you would have waited. At least it would have, you know, it hurt you as much. The thinking is good, but the results are not always as good. You know, when you dive a little bit deeper, when you dissect a little bit more, the process is not as as good as you think it is. I like what you said there as far as taking advantage of the narrative change. If one were to go down, selling the other one, maybe even before he plays a snap as the only mm-hmm. one out there just because of the spike in perceived value. And, you know, last year, Gabe Davis received a spike in perceived yes. value and has not necessarily been doing a whole lot this year. Emmanuel Sanders, Beasley, Diggs, and the one who knocks have all taken a little bit away from Gabe Davis, but I still think he's good. And I think if I was in a rebuild, he could be acquired cheaply as part of a throw-in deal for a greater package. Someone I would be willing to stash. But yeah, pleasant surprise, man. Dawson Knox. Yeah, Dawson Knox, I think he's at the tight end two on the year thus far. It's, again, you want pieces of a good offense, right? And if you can give me someone that Josh Allen's going to throw to in the red zone, it's like Robert Tunyon last year, right? He didn't get a lot of receptions. He didn't get a ton of yards. But if he's a target for a quarterback that might lead the league in receptions, that's the name of the game at tight end, baby. Give me a touchdown all day long. Give me two, and you're going to be ahead of the game at tight end. Ooh, Dawson Knox. Love Dawson Knox. Love, love, love that guy. I'm I'm so happy to see him have the season that he's having. I felt this way about Travis Kelsey when he came on, and I was like, oh, baby Gronk. At the time, I wasn't doing fantasy football as serious as, as I, I'll say as I was four years ago, not as I am now. Yeah, I feel that way about Austin Knox. I just feel like he's, as Henry just said, like that's a part of the offense you want, that passing game. He's going to get opportunities in the red zone. He's probably going to see about 60% of the looks, maybe not 60, but even if he gets 30% of the looks, Yep. When opportunity knocks, Dawson answers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dawson Craig. <laughs> uh, someone else who's been getting a, a few more opportunities is Michael Carter, the other New York team here. Yep. New York, New York. 
there on by this week. So I think it might be a little opportunity to slide in there and see if you can take Michael Carter off someone's hands there. They need someone to play. They're desperate for RB. Michael Carter is who they had been starting. Maybe you can get him off them. Do you want Michael Carter? I do. I do. Sell me on Michael Carter, please. So if I'm in a win now, I'm not. A, I'm, there's a little bit of pause there as far as purchasing Michael Carter because I'm not sure necessarily it's going to be something that's going to materialize into something that I'm just really proud to have. If this is, you know, if it's if it's better than Mike Davis, you know, at least you okay. got that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike Davis is the measuring stick. Right. Right. Which, okay. That's know, fair. That's fair. Even if it's a short measuring stick, and Michael Carter has been outside of those top group of running backs, that whole next tier there that included Sermon, who I had been avoiding. I had preferred basically Carter in those scenarios. Now looking back, it's like the Jets. yeah i mean that's where it's at i mean (laughs) i'll say i mean i speak for henry probably here too man uh i don't know if you guys remember that uh curb your enthusiasm episode i think it was one of the last seasons and they're all like golf and one of the guys they uh, larry loses 500 bucks to to this team of guys and one of them a trade just comes through no a trade Le'Veon bells gets injured he's out for the season you know on the show and this guy goes ballistic. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. The Jets. Oh, my God. I can't take any more disappointment. <laughs> it's always the Jets. We're cursed. <laughs> that guy kills himself on that show. <laughs> and then he leaves a note and he says, I can't take any more disappointment. And they're like, what's wrong with him? You know, he has a good job, all of this stuff. And, and Larry's like, it was the Jets. He said he couldn't take any more disappointment. It was the Jets. The Jets killed him. And and the Jets, they, they, they're killing me and Henry here. This is, we can't. We're protecting ourselves, you know, by saying, Michael Carter, you look nice, but we're going to stiff arm you. Stay right there, sir. You cannot come any closer because you look nice. And if you get any closer, you might smell nice. We might fall in love. But we've been hurt too much. So... This is why we're here. It's safer to ride in a car than in a plane, unless that plane is a New York Jet. This is true. <laughs> yeah, definitely not a Jets fan. They all like to give me crap as if I'm a Jets fan, <laughs> but it just turned out that I had Zach Wilson as my QB1 of the draft. Michael Carter had a lot higher than others. I debated him and Javante at a UNC because Carter was kind of the shiftier guy. He would put two guys on skates during the same play. And then I liked Elijah Moore as well. So it just seemed that I liked all the Jets guys. You said sell you on Michael Carter, but Makai <laughs> Becton returning. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 I do like that. But what about uh, Ty Johnson? What about him? I don't know. The Michael Carter, the eventual 1A in the backfield all offseason. Him and Tevin Coleman were the only guys hand-selected by Sala right. and Mike LaFleur. Mikey LaFleur, Matt LaFleur's little brother. We see what kind of magic Matt LaFleur can work there in Green Bay. One of the best records by a head coach in the beginning part of his career. Hopefully the Jets can turn it around shortly. I like it. So what are you paying for Michael Carter if you had to today? If I had to today, I'd be cool giving up a late first-round pick. Uh, you know, Zach Moss, for sure, I'd be willing to give up. He's a you know rookie running back who looks like he's going to get all the work. He's been scoring touchdowns by the goal line, been in the receiving game. I love that offense, personally. Is your faith in him more in the player or more in the this new Jets? Uh, they have Salah now. Maybe they do things differently. The Jets have just been so bad forever that I feel like Larry David, and I just feel like I... I as much as I'm a fan, uh, they it says New York on their on their helmets. That's the only reason why. But I mean, they they hurt you over and over again. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit of both, right? We were in a couple of those mock drafts in the early offseason, and I was yep. taking Michael Carter so much higher than everyone else, and right. everyone was giving me crap for it. It looks good now. <laughs> I think he's looked better than Sermon, to say the least. He has, he has. Yeah, and Elijah, you know, the, the wrong or the right Elijah, either way you want to you know, cut that <laughs> cookie up. He looked good till that concussion happened. He can play inside, he can play outside, little shifty dude. I like where that offense is headed for sure. So would you trade Elijah Moore for Michael Carter? Man, I mean, that's just is so team dependent, position dependent. I'm always going to lean the you know young RB if I can. Elijah Moore feels a little safer, right? Like he's going to be a good wide receiver. Michael Carter. Elijah Mitchell. <laughs> What'd you say? Who's? He said Moore. He <laughs> pulled a hoose. You pulled the hoose. And... I think Elijah Moore is the one on the Jets, though, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking of um, Elijah, <laughs> Elijah Mitchell yeah. for the Niners. Yeah, he had that I thought, stinger. I thought that's what you asked, uh, Nick. I, th- I thought you were asking about Elijah Mitchell. Oh, no, uh, Elijah Moore and Michael Carter, same team, Jets. See, this is why I have Elijah Mitchell. <laughs> now I just know, heard yeah. Elijah. I was like, oh, you're talking about Mitchell. Okay. And running back, Elijah okay. Penny for the Giants, too. No. no. Uh, I'm earlier. Not, not, not. Uh, he's 28 years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and a fullback, right? Yeah. I'm okay. Not quite the same caliber guy. But yeah, I think I lean Michael Carter in most cases. It's it's, it's a good call. I, I I feel more confident in going out there to acquire him. So you're talking late first uh, for Michael Carter. That seems, it, it feels expensive right now, but I wonder if that's the perception for everyone else. It's definitely more than most people would be willing to give up. I know that I've always been higher on him, continue to be higher. I hope that he's going to be the Jets running back of the future, right? They could go out there and sign someone this offseason, draft someone this offseason, replace him. He was like a fourth-round pick, not a ton of investment. I just happen to believe in the player and the situation, but I wouldn't be surprised if it blew up in my face. I think buying at a late first would be buying at the ceiling. That's basically going, pushing your chips in, saying you believe there. You know, you might be able to purchase for a lower price than that, pointing that, you know, he hasn't put up dominant work. He hasn't put up dominant scores. There's three, four, five other running backs around that he's competing with. I think when it all shakes out there, even though he has basically the same draft capital as LaMichael Pre-Ryan, I would prefer Michael Carter out of that backfield, but I'm not breaking the bank to get something like that there. Yeah. See, I, I don't know if I can pay that price just yet. But it does make me feel I, I, I don't mind. And, and I, I just don't think that I'll get him for a second because that's what most people paid. Most people paid a mm-hmm. second from. So I don't know if people they will be like, well, I already paid a second. Let me wait and see. It's looking kind of nice. Mm-hmm. And you only get one first. So when you when you're approaching it from a dynasty perspective, who are you most excited? And I know this is not on the show sheet, but who are you most excited about spending a first four? Like, say you got a late first. Let's assume it's a late first, right? You got a late first. You want to go buy a guy, uh, acquire a guy. Who are you spending that that on? Or would it be Michael Carter? Uh, I'll let Henry answer first, but you made a really good point there that you only get one first. So if you trade a first for this guy and for that guy and for this guy and for that guy, you only get to do it once. Right. So, you know, what if you're going to spend that first, you want to make it where this is something that is fixing your team or setting yourself up uh, in a way that is worth coming off your one and only first for the following year. It's like you said, I'd only be willing to pay that if I absolutely had to, right? That guy's stubborn. He's Ethan. He doesn't want to move Michael <laughs> right, Carter. Right, gotcha. Gotcha. Right. That's your max. 
That's my max, right? That's if I'm like it's week thirteen and I'm twelve and zero, but I just lost all my running backs and I need someone immediately. I'm willing to pay that for him if I know cool. my pick is gonna be maybe the last one. You said you know who are you willing to go pay that first for? I mean like Terrace Marshall maybe a Rashad Bateman. Like right? I'm yeah. looking at guys from last class that were like borderline first, early seconds who I know are going to perform because you said earlier, you want to trade away those picks for proven commodities. If someone this year is a rookie can prove themselves, I'll take a guy that's one year farther along in his development. And that kind of looks like a proven commodity over a, you know, flyer on someone. Can we quickly talk about, Oh, sorry. After you give your answer, Nick, and I feel like I'm, <laughs> I have a couple questions. You're fine. I want to talk about Kishon Vaughn after you, you, you give your your first rounder, who who'd you give? Oh man, uh, that's that's going to be depressing. I have some depressing <laughs> it, it news is, for Keyshawn Vaughn. The only reason why I brought up Keyshawn Vaughn is because he's he's one of those guys. Late, you know, people were taking him in the late first, mm-hmm. early second. If he gets traded to a team, we'll talk about his value. Who, who would you who would you give for a first right now? So I looked at if you can have one guy. Yep. So if I look, I looked at Sermon this year as what was my Keyshawn Vaughn last year, where when I really needed RB, I was pushing him up past wide receivers. I probably shouldn't have right. pushed him up past just because he played the RB position. But as far as uh, selling a late first, for me, it doesn't make sense to sell a young guy to get a first. Right. Makes sense. Like it, you're just, you're pushing it forward. You know, when you could be realizing that value now and the young guys are accruing value, that picks value is basically static minus, you know, the progression of time until you get to use it there. So when I'm selling my first, I often know that this may be my only first, this may be my only chance. I want to make it work. I'm, I'm holding out for that deal that takes me from almost there to there right? or getting that player on my roster with that first and something and getting a player that is worth more than one first using it as a trade up piece because it's one of your more valuable pieces on your roster and you're trying to maximize the value on your roster maximize each roster spot i'm using that as an opportunity to move up in value at a position or a player so off of the players that just some of the players we discussed, and I'll I'll throw in one that I'd I'd be down with throwing a, a late first for. So Kadarius Tony, if I could throw a late first for Kadarius Tony today, I would do it. If I could throw a late first for Michael Gallup, he's twenty five years old. He's going to be a free agent. I would do it. Mm-hmm. Twenty two, not twenty three. If I can throw in a late first for Donald Parham, he's twenty four years old. He's attached to Herbert for the rest of his career potentially. I'd spend a late first on that. I don't think I would have to for Parham, but as Henry said, I'd be willing to go up to that late first. That's interesting, the faith in Parham there. I, I know he's been someone a lot of people like just because, you know, he, he checks some boxes that a lot of people are looking for there. They they went and brought in 34-and-a-half-year-old Jared Cook. They <laughs> w- spent a third-round draft pick yeah, on Trey yeah. McKitty while they had this guy on the roster. Yeah. But as you've seen the last couple of weeks, he's been... He's, he's caught a touchdown. It's not on a whole lot of looks or snaps necessarily, but you know tight ends take a while to develop. You know those first couple of years, you you might be eating it for the potential haul in the long run there. I don't know, Henry. What do you think about Donald Parham? Man, I'll give you Parham for a second, a third. I mean, gosh, I, I don't 
necessarily know what box he checks other than being six foot eight personally he is big man yeah you said it with the Trey McKitty draft capital maybe I'm just missing some of Parham I've seen the big plays I've seen the you know he's a tower of a man right he can go up over people catch those red zone looks yes sir like Mike Williams right they got a team full of basketball players out there Cook 6'5 Parham's one of them Mike Williams 6'5 Herbert 6'6 yeah I mean it's just play above the rim throw those red zone looks I'm just not sure if he's ever gonna have the ceiling that even Hunter Henry had with Herbert last year I don't know maybe he develops into some amazing tight end but I haven't seen anything yet to spend a first on him unless it's some crazy tight end premium or yeah I I do feel like tight end premiums almost becoming the new super flex like right now you're not in a league that that doesn't have super flex unless you're in an old league with your buddies and they just run one QB and they just want to keep things vanilla if you're in a tight end premium league he's again he's 24 years old he's tied to arguably the second best quarterback in the league right now. He's 6'8". He's 237. There's Mike Williams and there's Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is 29 years old. So Donald Parham should be Justin Herbert's security blanket for years to come, but not just a security blanket, a downfield threat. Jared Cook is however old he is, 34 and a half. He's not going to be a thing. I'm willing to spend up to a late first for him if I needed to. So he had nine points, almost, you know, almost 10 points uh, in week, what was that, week four? Then week five, he, again, it's only two receptions, so you want those receptions to go up, but he catches a touchdown, he catches a two-point conversion, the yardage isn't great, but you like the usage, and you like that he's young, and you like that he's attached to Herbert. So, I mean, for me, that's that's where why I would spend that much on him. I know no one's really on him like that. Chances are you don't have to spend that type of capital on him. The snap percentages so far on the year, his highest was 53%. And, you know, and he's only saw three targets tops, you know, but he's done well with the targets that he's received. And his schedule rest of the year is amazing, especially end of season. So if you're starting him week 15 against Kansas City, that's an amazing matchup. Houston, he's got Denver. That's not so great. But he's potentially a, a lottery ticket for cheap. Uh, you probably don't have to pay a, a first round for him. McKitty, you, you're going to draft a guy if you don't know if this guy is going to do well for you. It's it's like insurance. Like every we all have insurance. We're not excited about paying insurance every month. Or if you pay it for six months in advance or for a year, you're not excited about forking up $2,000 or whatever your insurance is. But you need to have it. So you needed to have Trey McKitty just in case Parham was some XFL bum. Looks like he's not. To me, eye-wise, his strides are super long. It could be nothing at all. Could be a super blip. Told some some people to pick up some guy I can't recall last year in the playoffs. You know, just because of, I, I like these sneaky nobody guys. You know, I'm going to like the nobody guy before I like the guy that everybody knows about because you know about him. What do I need to tell you about him? <laughs> you know, so... Yep. He's down there in that range of tight ends where, you know, they're not like a top 12 tight end, but maybe. And he's younger than most of them. He's younger than CJ Uzoma, younger than like an Ebron on the same team. They have Pat Fryermuth, and he potentially could be getting a little bit of a bump now with Juju done for the season. I do like Pat Fryermuth. Yeah. I think maybe it boosts Chase the most. I think we already knew that Juju was going to be looking for a contract next year. 
James Washington, Deontay Johnson, all getting a, a little bit more clarity as far as how the work might be distributed there. Not that Juju's been doing amazing. What do you think of Juju this year or for next year now? What was that that who said earlier? Who's uh, called someone Baby Gronk? That's what the Steelers nicknamed Pat Fryermuth. There's a tight end I might be willing to go up to a late first for. You know, he got that second round capital out of Penn State. For sure. He was this heralded prospect. That's a guy if I can go out and purchase with Eric Ebron heading out, Juju heading out, potentially a new quarterback next year. You know, the sky's the limit potentially there for Fryermuth for me. Juju. Maybe this is an instant bump in Claypool for Dynasty. You thought you could get him cheap throughout the course of the year with the targets being heavily distributed with Juju and Deontay. Maybe now he'll get more hyper-targeted and you won't be able to get him cheaply. Could be a good time to sell high, potentially, if you're not sure what that quarterback situation is going to look like. That is the worry for sure there, as far as the quarterback situation. Yeah, I'm targeting Juju while he's cheap. He's only 24 years old. They're not going to bring him back. He's younger than Terry McLaurin. He's younger than a lot of stud wide receivers. He has the talent. It's not that he doesn't have the talent. He does. He's playing with a very old Ben Roethlisberger. You can't really throw the ball down the field as much. And I do like Fryermuth as well. I'd be willing to spend the late first on him if I knew who his quarterback was. So I do know that Herbert does throw the, to the tight end, even though they're paying Jared Cook and they, he's a good blocker and he's a good pass catcher as well, even though he dropped the ball a couple of times. But Herbert likes to use the tight end. So I don't know if Rudolph's going to be the guy. I don't know if Haskins going to be the guy. I don't know if they bring in a guy who I can't tell you what quarterback looks good this year because we thought it was Spencer Rattler. And I don't know where he's going to go now based off last weekend. Granted, he's still going to go high somewhere, but he doesn't look like a slam dunk anymore. Granted, it's only a few games in, but I mean, the college football season is short. Yep, you make a good point as far as being paired with a good quarterback. You definitely don't know as far as what quarterback he's going to be paired with next year. It could be even Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is paired with a good quarterback, but has a sprained MCL and is going to be down for a little while there. Are you worried as far as long-term with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, with Darrell Williams and Jarek McKinnon stepping up in the meantime here? Best case scenario for him, sprained MCL. My goodness, that injury looked brutal. His leg spasmed, it fully straightened out, and he got carried off the field, stretcher, everything. Just a sprained MCL, which is as bad as a torn MCL, basically the same injury, but it's what Brady had. He played through it the last part, or part of last year. He'll come back in probably four or five weeks thereabouts. No worse than Montgomery hyperextending his knee. Hopefully it doesn't affect him long-term. Uh, McKinnon's like 29 and has barely seen the field a bunch. Darrell Williams has been a little alarming with the goal line work. CEH was seeding some carries, a lower snap count than you'd like to see in those uh, last couple weeks here. But it doesn't affect him long-term, that injury in the RB ranks for me. But I would uh, understand if it did. Yeah, How are you did. liking him, Who's? I wouldn't mind going out there and trying to acquire him if you can. If you got a team that's... You know, they need to win now. They got to kind of, if you have your plan in Dynasty and you got a team that's not willing to give up on the season yet because we got the extra game, um, as you alluded to two weeks ago, I believe it was the episode, mm-hmm. you know, we got the extra game now. So, you know, it's you're not completely out of it. It's, it's a different scenario. But I will say Derek Gore was elevated from the practice squad. You guys know I love my who. <laughs> my no-name guys. Um, he looked good in preseason. He did, right? He did. He he, he looked good at preseason. Is that against the Vikings in preseason? He had that long touchdown, I think. Yeah. He, he looked... It was only probably like four or five plays, but he looked 
good. Granted, it's probably against backups as well, but <laughs> I, I'm just watching his movements, not the players around him, not the defense around him, just the way he cuts, the decision-making, and those brief plays, he looked pretty good. Derek Gore might be a guy that we're talking about next week or later on in the season if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is expected to miss more games. There's no reason for them to rush this guy back. They do have Williams, who he's been fine. I mean, obviously, they didn't keep him around, but what was it? Darwin Thompson. <laughs> Darwin Thompson. He's on the Bucks now, I think. Or he was for a moment. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he must he, he must have a, a, a really shit attitude. Because <laughs> I remember that photo that went around last offseason with him <laughs> with his shirt off. And you know how Twitter loves a, a guy with his shirt off or showing a calf <laughs> muscle or showing a, a thigh. Stay tuned to my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we like to see those muscles pop you know i don't know it's something about it it just gives you the extra boost darwin thompson you know unfortunately didn't do it uh but yeah Derek gore is a guy i'm interested in uh ceh buy him cheap if you can i'm not sure what it is i don't have a darwin's theory personally <laughs> <laughs> good one but i do like it that you're bringing up like the real deep guys like gore there it's a very deep guy it's a good one and another deep guy Trinity Benson, Ooh. who I like to refer to as the Holy Trinity Benson, <laughs> and the Wiz Khalif Raymond, yeah. both get a little bit of a bump. Yes. Quintez Cephas, who had been doing some things to begin the season here, collarbone, done for season. Tyrell Williams is still on IR, doesn't look like he's coming back this week, but maybe potentially eventually, but the heaven's gates have opened and the angels are singing, and <laughs> now it's time for Amon Ross St. Brown. What do you think? Yeah. Love it. You guys know I love Amon Ross St. Brown. I've been talking him up all last year. Have him in, in a couple of Debbie leagues. Terrence Marshall's another one that I, I really love, but Amon Ross, huh? I love his work ethic. I love that he's this scrappy guy that really shouldn't be talked about. <laughs> but I like those kind of guys. I you know, I'm I'm not a tall guy. I'm five seven and a quarter. Of course I'm gonna give myself a quarter because I'm short. <laughs> you know? Um no shoes. Five eight with shoes on, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm a scrappy guy, you know. I like I like these scrappy guys. I'm on Raw's one of those guys. He's you know he's it says he's six foot, but I, I don't think he is. <laughs> um, he's definitely a guy that I have on a lot of teams. Trinity Benson. I mean, if you're talking about deeply guys, I mean, he was getting some use. He was getting some run. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's there's a chance that they possibly give him a little bit more work. Not that you're maybe he's a stash and you're like a 16 team league or something like that. Deep leagues. Trinity was a guy I brought up a while back because they traded capital for him from the Broncos. And I was like, who did they just trade for and why did they give up so much? I thought maybe it meant that they were going to use him more, that they liked him. He hasn't really produced with much of what they've given him. It's been the Wiz Khalif Raymond instead, which has been a <laughs> bit of a shock, man. Yeah. 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 Khalif Raymond, um, he's as much as I like these obscure guys, Raymond's one of these guys that was completely off of my radar. I've been kind of in on him with his the amount of uses that he's getting. I know he didn't did he catch a ball? He flashed in 2019 for what that's worth. I'm looking at Sleeper right now and it says he had zero points, but I feel like he played and he did well. Two weeks ago he definitely did something pretty well. Yep. Yep, two weeks ago for sure. Okay, so he saw two targets, did not have a catch. Two weeks ago, he had 19 points. The week before that, he but, uh, he did a little something. It's the Lions. But yeah, but eight targets, eight targets for St. Brown. 
I like that. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm excited about that in the PPR league. Um, he's, he's doing more for me than Terrence Marshall. I still want to hang on to Terrence Marshall. And obviously in a dynasty, you're, you're acquiring him right now. Go out there and send, if you could get Marshall for like a third, I'd still, I'd pay a second still. I'd probably still pay it as high as a late first if I needed to. I don't think anybody is on him like that anymore. Um, but maybe there are some people. I know I'm a huge stand on on Terrence Marshall. I I think he has all the the things you need other than Robbie Anderson in the way uh, stealing shit targets from six targets here, 11 targets last week. And he can't catch his goddamn ball. Like from Sam Darnold, he has, <laughs> he has rapport with like, oh, are you kidding me? Like ugh. from the J E T S jets never quite clicked. There must be something going wrong with that connection. I can't take any more disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if you, had been rostering Gaskin. You were probably dealing with some disappointment until last week. Finally, uh, Gaskin has a big game, two touchdowns, decent amount of work. You know, Malcolm Brown had like had four times as many carries last week, but nope, this week, you know, all gas, no kin. <laughs> I think you might be a fan who's of Gaskin here. <laughs> uh, I am a, a bit of a fan of Gaskin. Um, I've I've been a fan of him last year. I, you know, again, I like these no name, nobody guys. You know, I was really, really in on on Robinson last year as well. I made somebody on Twitter very upset because I penned their a response that I was saying to them. <laughs> it, it, it's my it's in my pinned messages, uh, which oh. was, it was it was really just saying that I I like Robinson before he was anybody. So I'm pinning it because that i'm not pinning it because i'm a jerk and i just wanted because you're the prophet yeah that's the only reason why i was pinning it i was like hey i got that one right that's a pretty big one i thought that was pretty cool uh, i can be a jerk but that that wasn't you know a jerk move i don't think but maybe it was but anyway um yeah he's he's one of those guys i think it was mostly in the receiving game this week right nine catches i want to say no 10 because no one can run on tampa that's the only way a running back's gonna score any points i mean you're not running on sue and but he did run on them. He 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 averaged five point five a tote against them. How many how many carries? Yeah, he got five. <laughs> yeah, see, there's the problem. They didn't even try running against Tampa. That's what most teams do. They're like, but here's here's the thing, right? Gaskins got five point five a carry in that one game. Previous games, he's a yard per carry leader. Now, granted, he doesn't have a, a ton of touches, so his sample size is going to be very small. Not as small as Tyson Williams, who's another guy who's a who's a leader in yards per carry. Um, even though he didn't, they did another opportunity they didn't give him last game. He's flashy last year as a reception guy out of the backfield. Now they're expecting Tua this week. I don't know if Tua is going to check down as much to him as Brissett did. With Tua, it's weird because there's an expectancy, right? Tua has to do amazing things and checking the ball down is not one of them. Not to say that that's not fine to do. If you make a smart decision and do that, that's fine. But guys like Mac Jones will get credit for that. Tua will not. I feel like Tua needs to drive the ball downfield to Devontae Parker. If he's healthy to Waddle to Preston Williams, uh, he's, he needs to get the ball to, to these receivers and he needs to show the dolphins that he can be a franchise quarterback. Cause right now all he's done is show them that, you can't really rely on him, even though I'm I'm not out on him 
and that's mainly because I got a ton of mem- uh, memorabilia from him, and uh, I, I needed to—I need him to do well <laughs> for the prices to do well. So yeah, I got some Haskin stuff too. We—we we, we know that didn't turn well. <laughs> Would say Will Fuller now in field, but uh, that guy never plays football anymore. Yep, yep. Stole the words out of my mouth there. I feel bad for Will Fuller. I feel bad. I don't you use PEDs in this. Like, man, that's kind of no no respect for the game at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's the only way he could stay on the field. Yeah, yeah, you hate to see injuries. I never wish it upon anyone for sure. Definitely unlucky. Think about it. Like he he's a talented guy. He there's these guys that are like my niece. Like she she breaks something every he's <laughs> never she she always she's Mr. Glass. And it's sad because it's like she'll oh she she dislocated her knee. She's walks and it's just oh her <laughs> her, her leg broke. I was like, What? She's walking. <laughs> It's like some people are just injury prone. I don't know. I, just, I feel bad for Will Fuller a little bit. You know? Yeah, and when he's healthy, he can put up like 40 points a game or something. It's just a matter of getting healthy. But He can't stay healthy. His body does not. You need you need a nice, strong body. You have to be out there putting the reps in. I'm not saying that he's not, but you got to be in the gym. You got to be like LeBron, man. Who Hang out with LeBron if you can. I mean, obviously, you can't just go hang out with LeBron. He's probably going to call security when you end up in jail. <laughs> but if you can find out who LeBron's hanging out with, just hang out with that guy or the guy that LeBron's friend is hanging out with. Hang out with that guy or LeBron's friend friend. Hang out with that guy. They're going to give you some information to let you know how to keep that your body tight because LeBron's like 40 years old and he's, he's still, you know, he's still out there like Brady. Yep. Still doing his thing there. My argument for Fuller was always that, well, with Watson, whenever he was out there, he was a top 24 wide receiver, sometimes even better than that. But then when he wasn't, he was a roster spot because he slides down to your IR because he was either suspended or he was hurt. At least you had that. I'd imagine he's going to come back eventually. And then hopefully Tua can uh, push the ball down the field to him some there. Michael Thomas the guy who's getting the ball pushed five to 10 yards down the field to him on a slant is set to return here pretty soon. But in his stead, Marquez Callaway has been doing well, Uh, caught a Hail Mary this week, caught a broken play the other week. Do you think he's a sell high? Does he really have any future value? It's definitely a buy low a couple weeks ago. In draft season, off-season, like, dynasty startups, he was the de facto one when Traquan and MT were down. It was Marcos Calloway, and then he flashed extremely well in the preseason, had two touchdowns in that one game where Winston, you know, cemented himself as the starter for the season. It's just been broken plays, like you said. You'd expect him to be more involved regularly in the offense. Hasn't quite been that case. He's on the field all the time. It's a matter of just... All receivers are inconsistent, so hoping that he plays well. It'll be interesting when MT comes back to see if he's still used as the you know, number one receiver there. Undrafted guy, I'm just, I don't know as far as how certain you can be that he's going to hold value past this year or even past MT's return. Yeah. So it's a level of uncertainty there. These these guys, especially um, wide receivers, I, I'll say draft capital matters more for wide receivers. I don't know. Maybe you guys know like uh, undrafted wide receiver that just came on and was just amazing. Adam Thielen. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's like the poster child. Yeah, Mankato State. <laughs> Do we have more than that, or is he just like the one poster child? I mean, I'm sure we have more, but Adam Thielen is wow. 
That's a yeah, great I mean, one. <laughs> there, there's a, a couple, one. but it's hard to find. I mean, so many guys go undrafted every year. You're able to find a couple, like, you know, James Robinson. There are probably 80 undrafted right. running backs that did running nothing. Backs, yeah. And then Robinson yeah. and Eckler do it. And people are like, look, undrafted running backs are great. It's Arian like, Foster. Yeah. Yep. Arian Foster's yep. story is amazing. He walked on with his buddy. He <laughs> <laughs> was trying out for a game. His, his buddy was trying out. Like, Foster wasn't even trying out. Like, he was just like, oh, I'll try out. I'm here. Made the team. Crazy. Undrafted guys with running backs, there's just the level of uncertainty because they're running into a wall of big men every time. Oh, the salsa man, too, was undrafted. Who's that? Victor Cruz, the salsa man. Oh, mm. now that's a good one. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's a legend. In, um, I mean, he's one of those smaller guys that just kind of like, you expect that from a Victor Cruz, like a small receiver like that. Like, he... You got to go out there and prove it. And, you know, and nobody believed in you. And, you know, like it's easier to do it then. Yep. Like a Wes Welker walk mm-hmm. there uh, undrafted yeah. to, I think. Like Gunnar Oshevsky, those type of guys, the slot guys from small schools. I love Gunnar. I really want him to do well. And I thought he was going to take the Edelman role. And I don't know. He's just a special team guy, apparently. I guess. Khalil Herbert had been a special teams guy. Khalil Herbert looked great. He did. And he actually got a a decent amount of snaps. And I mean, everyone projected Damian Williams to come in and be the starter. And he did, you know, score more fantasy points than Khalil Herbert. But as far as someone kind of sneaky down there, that when they, as soon as they traded for uh, Jakeem Grant from the Dolphins after Montgomery's injury, that was the clue to me that this guy. Uh, Khalil Herbert had been a bunch on special teams. They went and acquired a special teams guy. What does that mean? Khalil Herbert's probably getting a promotion. He's going to have more responsibilities. And it kind of it's uh, kind of happening. Someone I'm, I'm interested in acquiring cheaply, potentially the short-term fill-in could be playable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we know Montgomery is going to be out for the next few weeks. And we know running backs are really volatile. So Damian Williams, mm-hmm. he's he's not the spring chicken either. I mean, he's an older guy. He's been in the league a while. I want to say he's like 28, 29. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, he has the size. He doesn't have a ton of wear. But Khalil Herbert, I mean, he looked pretty good. He had like 75 yards. Um, You know, obviously, yeah, the story was Williams, but it could have easily been Herbert. I mean, he had decent touches. He had 18 touches. Um. So, I mean, you, lo- you love to see that as a no-name guy, especially me. Um, but, yeah, uh, speaking of hyphenated names earlier, uh, what do you guys think about Ricky Seal Jones? Uh, he did it in uh, Logan Thomas's stead. I saw that he ran, like, more routes than Logan Thomas had ran all year. He, he was involved in what would be the passing game for that team. Ricky Seals Jones, uh, it could be worse. You know, I'd be less interested if he wasn't hyphenated. So. <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. I-, I wouldn't care about him at all if it wasn't hyphenated. <laughs> no, but Logan Thomas landed on IR, right? So another three, four weeks out of Ricky Seals-Jones. I would say he could have the opportunity to take it from Logan Thomas, but they paid him in the offseason huge extension. He's going to be the guy there. Well, I mean, with the, how much was guaranteed, though? I mean, any, any, any of these times they pay a guy, I always ask people like, I'm like, oh, yeah, they just brought that guy back. And I'm like, yeah, but how much was guaranteed? Like, that's the question you have to ask. Yeah, it was like three years, 22 mil or something. I think the first, like, year or two were, like, super guaranteed. But 
who knows? He was a converted quarterback. I know I was lower on him this offseason than most. I was like, he was hyper targeted because of Alex Smith, this, that, and the other. Me too. And he's looked all right with Heineke still. You know, he's proven to be a good tight end. A good transition there with Heineke because Ryan Fitzpatrick, his return is looming. Heineke plays the Chiefs this week. Kind of feel like he might be playing for his job. Didn't do exactly well last week. I'll pass it to you, Henry, and you can tell me the the criticisms of Heineke there. But I look at him as not a a long-term solution for them. But at the same time, I'm also not putting a whole lot of eggs in the Fitz basket. (laughs) I love that joke you made earlier today to me, the Fitz basket. I was dying laughing on my phone reading that. That was good. When we heard the Ryan Fitzpatrick, the hip subluxation, right, where he landed on his hip weird, it kind of popped out of a joint. It might have torn his labrum even in his hip, right? It's a ball and socket joint, just like your shoulder. Both have labrums. Seems like it could be, you know, season, even career ending with someone of his age. It's an old person breaking their hips. See it all the time on those commercials. Jesus. <laughs> Heineke has looked good and in his stead with the uh, the mobility, right, against the Bucks last year in the playoffs. We saw it. If he sees a pylon, he's diving for it. I love the guy's story. He's 28 or 29, got that extension as the backup. He's more mobile than people give him credit. But he's just not an NFL quality thrower of the football, right? Undrafted out of Old Dominion. He's got this weird elongated motion where he telegraphs every pass. We saw it against the Giants where he got picked by James Bradbury because I was watching the game live. I could tell three seconds before he threw the ball where it was going. And so could Bradbury and he jumped it. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's easy to play defense against a guy that stares down his targets and then winds up to throw the ball. He looked all right against the Falcons, and the Giants game was kind of a fluky win. He almost tried speaking it into existence, right? I think I've earned the the right to be the starter for the rest of the year. I don't even think he believes that. I mean, yeah, closed mouths don't get fed, right? You have to kind of speak up. You have to feel confident, and confidence is huge. I mean, look at Josh Rosen. I mean, he got drafted because he said he was the best quarterback in the class. <laughs> And I mean, he's standing out the league, but yeah, I mean, you hit on a lot of great points, a lot of great points, especially, you know, on Heineke. I mean, one thing I will say, I have this question about quarterbacks getting older and I feel like when quarterbacks get older, they get better. They get wiser. What if Heineke, I mean, yeah, he, he doesn't have much experience, so he's doing all the wrong things because he, maybe he wasn't paying attention to Fitzpatrick, but Fitzpatrick isn't going to give him any pointers. <laughs> I mean, Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick's like 33. He, he's well, 34. I want to say he, he can still play if if he can play. I think Fitzpatrick's closer to 40 than 34. I think he's about 38, 39, right? Is he? He's about to turn 39. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he's up there, man. He's been on like eight different teams. I would imagine this is going to be the last year of his career one way or another. I'm a St. Louis guy at one point in my life. Heineke was the backup for the Battle Hawks in the XFL behind Jordan Ta'amu. Before that, he was on Carolina with Ron Rivera. A big reason why I think he got a Washington opportunity was because Rivera had that familiarity with him, right? Right. Like Kyle Allen. Like Kyle Allen, exactly. They traded for him. And I think he got an opportunity to learn under Alex Smith. I think mm. his tutelage was a big okay. reason why we saw Heineke right. do well late in the season was Alex that's, Smith. That's was. pretty good tutelage, to be honest, though. Yeah, he helped Mahomes a ton. You know, we were talking about learning from a vet. Yeah, I mean, that. I, I think that's the best thing for Taylor Heineke. I think he can be an NFL quarterback, but he can't be out there thinking that he is one now. I think he's a really good backup, and uh, he's an okay guy if you need a bridge quarterback, potentially, like Washington was looking at this year, you know, hopefully drafting one next year, signing one. Like Fitzpatrick was going to be a bridge, probably. Heineke could do the same thing. Yep, time might be running out for Heineke there, and we're kind of running out of time here. 
But who's I do have a question for you here still. Still fantasy football here. Do you think that Chase deserves to be in that top tier of wide receivers now? I do based off of you know, piggybacking off of familiarity, there's a familiarity with Burrow. I mean, that's the reason why we're seeing what we're seeing with Chase and, and Burrow. It's a very effortless connection. Watching uh, watching Jamar Chase, although he is impressive, it doesn't feel that impressive. I, I don't know why. It just doesn't. It's almost like I don't, I, I don't see him doing too many things that makes it impressive. He just can catch anything, whether there's two guys on him, three guys on him. I'm sure he runs routes extremely well. The camera's not on him while he's running routes all the time. And I haven't gone back and looked back at all the film on him, but I have him on quite a bit of teams. I am very excited about him right now. He's what wide receiver seven or something like that. I don't know if I will put him in that tier of Justin Jefferson. I don't know if I put him in that tier of Justin Jefferson, like that tier, because I think he's like the number one dynasty wide receiver. I love you. I agree with you so much right there, man. All, all off season, I'm, I'm arm wrestling these guys. I'm like, AJ Brown, dynasty wide receiver one. What about Justin Jefferson, man? He's younger. He didn't yeah. have the dual knee surgery. Yeah. You know, he's he's got an arguably better passing quarterback. I know Tannehill's yeah. done more with the team, but it's not necessarily, you know, the thrower, the football that Cousins is. I liked a lot of the points you made. Jamar Chase coming out, that was a big critique of mine, too, was that he never did anything that impressive, right? He never really gained separation. I questioned if he was just dominating collegiate corners. Uh, he's proven in the NFL, though, that he can make those contested catches still. And he has that great rapport with Burrow, like you mentioned. I think those are a lot of great points for him. That seems to be it. Um, and I don't want to knock I, I don't want to knock him by not praising him more. That contested catchability is definitely there. I just haven't, I, and it's it's still five weeks in. He hasn't seen a shit ton of targets. He should be seeing as much targets as as Higgins was seeing week one and week two. He's still not seeing like ten plus targets a game, which he should be seeing that. But I get it. You got to spread it around, and he's a downfield target, so you can't go downfield all the time. Maybe they move him around a little bit. Maybe they take Boyd out of, you know, they move Boyd around. I mean, Boyd's not the future. As much as I like Boyd, he's going to be good on another team. He's not going to be what we want him to be on this team, I don't think. I think you hit the nail on the head there as far as he just, he hasn't received a high volume of targets. And really to get into that tier, you know, you need to be young, elite, and have that big old workload. And that hasn't happened yet. This question has been debated like amongst the group chat and whatnot. And if I'm going to have Chase in that tier at the end of the year, I don't know, I might be better served to go ahead and push him right now, even if it's the last guy in that tier. Because there was a time in history where everybody liked Chase more than Justin Jefferson, but Justin Jefferson went pro. Obviously had his amazing season last year and elevated him up dynasty ranks and all ranks in general. And then now Chase is out here. You know, it's definitely within the range of outcomes that he could be right up there and be everything that we love about Justin Jefferson. 
That's a great point, I think, with Jefferson and Chase, right? Mm -hmm. We spoke earlier about trading this year's picks for last year's rookies. You want that year of productivity, of proving it on the NFL field. I've heard some people say that they value 2023 picks more than 2022 picks. Like, man, you think you know something about scouting and like the NFL that like NFL scouts don't? Every year there's a player that just shoots up the NFL draft boards. Like Burrow wasn't going to be the first overall pick. He wasn't going to be in the first three rounds of that draft before that breakout season he had. Zach Wilson. He was not even BYU's like starting quarterback. Like he was, but he was in a competition before the year. Second overall pick. Every year there's someone we don't expect who's great. Trey Lance. Trey Lance. I mean, there's someone that we don't expect to be at the top of the boards that is, and people at the top of the boards that fall, like Rattler, right? Imagine that you traded for a pick this year thinking you're going to take Spencer Rattler. Well, he's no longer the guy, <laughs> you know? It's just so much changes year to year. You want the guys that are proven. Yeah, that volatility is is insane. Thankfully, it's not Debbie and it's just a pick because now it's just, you know, thank you, next. Yeah. Speaking of Debbie, and you guys you know, shred me for this one. So I was in the middle of a Debbie draft and it was the middle of the preseason. Saints were playing and Callaway had his two touchdown game. <laughs> I was number seven on the Debbie draft and great picks went. Some running backs, some quarterbacks. The first wide receiver did not go off on the board. Do you guys know who the first wide receiver is in Debbie for next year? Olave. Butte. Um, I feel like Traylon Burks is wildly, wildly the number one to all the people that I'm talking to. As far as for 22, you're saying? Uh, maybe. Is that 22 or 23? I can I can never tell in Debbie anymore because it's like, what are, you, what are you playing for? People are just taking the best <laughs> player. I think That's it's, what I'm it, saying. It, it might be um, 23. It could be 22, but... That's a name I've heard, though. He's a good player. Traylon Burks has been like this uh, the past two weeks, the college football. I hired some really fucking amazing people in the past year. Uh, Ray GQ is one of them. If you guys haven't heard of Ray GQ, I don't know what fucking rock you're living under. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Matthew Bruning, mm -hmm. you know, we just brought him in for 32-bit. Brilliant, dude. He's been on with Ray a few times on uh, the show Ray and I did together. Um, when I say Ray and I, I mean I paid him to do it, and he did the show. I I didn't do anything, <laughs> but but come up with the I you know some of the aspect. Ray's a genius. Won't take anything away. The guy's cool. Yeah, these people are on these Devi guys, and they're giving you all of these 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 no name guys that you know. I trust these guys more than I don't watch college football at all i'd be lying to you to say oh, i'd watch it i don't if i tune into a game i tune into a game that's not me saying i watch college football i don't i find out about these guys later so i trust the guys that are good at their jobs on this stuff so Traylon burke on one of those debbie guys i traded Traylon burke for marquez calloway <laughs> and fucking xavier jones and uh you know what was the prize out of that trade though David Mills. Xavier Jones. Okay. <laughs> David Mills. I got Davis Mills in that trade, and he just won me a week last week. <laughs> so, wow, you played him. <laughs> yeah, I had no choice because I didn't have anything else at Superflex. <laughs> Talking about Devi, Davis Mills was the Devi QB to have three, four years ago. He was the number one quarterback. <laughs> yeah, luckily he did not get drafted. <laughs> luckily he did not get drafted in that league. Yeah. Well, Matt Bruning on Devi Wire on 32-bit. That's just one of the shows you've got going here. Let them know uh, all you're doing here. 
I'm I'm back here, you know, in the in the shadows, back behind the uh, I'm hiding behind um hydrants. I'm hiding behind flagpoles. You know, you can you can see me behind all of those things. I'm very obvious. It's nothing I can ever hide behind. But I'm trying to do my best, stay in the shade, push these brilliant people to you, like Henry St. Clair, like Iowa to you, like Sheehan, like Natter, like Matthew Bruni, like Ray GQ, who's done it all on himself. I'll just put my 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 feather in that just because I worked with him in the past, but he's a genius on his own. I I just was happened to be able to work with them. Appreciate you, Ray. Appreciate you guys. Uh, yeah, if you want to find out anything interesting outside of fantasy football, I, I'll tell you to come over and hang out with the people that do fantasy football, but they may not be talking about it uh, <laughs> on the 32-bit network. Uh, we've got nostalgia for you. We've got just top, I don't know, top anything. Whatever you could think of top, anything that's not fantasy football. And we actually do have fantasy football. So I don't want you to think that we don't have fantasy football. But we also do other stuff. So, I mean, we're, we have it all for you. And then Sleeper Wire as well. The the first baby, the first little child that we nursed <laughs> and grew up to be this amazing charity and organization with all of these amazing people. Can't be proud enough. And you find all of our amazing shows, The Great Debate. You can find the Sunday Blitz. You can find Dynasty Wire. You can find our Thursday show, which we give you all of the recap for the week as far as pointers as well. And then you can also find us. Uh, we have our great analysts on Fantasy Pros as well, ranking for you. So we've got, I'm okay. I didn't do too well this year. I actually missed rankings last week. So apologies. If you guys try to look at my rankings, probably didn't finish too high. So don't look at my rankings until uh, I give you some sort of heads up. Just go check out maybe uh, Natter's rankings or Justin Dodds. Justin Dodds, actually. Forget Natter. Natter sucks. <laughs> he's he's good at podcasting, but he sucks at rankings. Um, he won't listen to the show anyway, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a long-winded goodbye to you guys. This was a really fun show. Thank you guys for having me on. Never invite me again to these sort of things unless you want me to take over your whole show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am so thankful that you were uh, gracing us with your presence. I imagine what like your every bit of your free time is, is you sitting at a desk with 12 phones and they're all ringing and you're picking them up and answering two and three at the same time and yelling to someone across the room. That's what I imagine it's like. It's actually two phones, <laughs> but they're both going off insanely. I <laughs> sat down with my therapist and she said that she has never seen a phone go off <laughs> and her 23 years of experience <laughs> as much as she's seen mine go off. <laughs> well, in the short time I've known you, I've just been so impressed with your ability to manage and coordinate these things, your network ability. Really, you're you're a model to a lot of the, the people trying to do things specifically here in like the fantasy football industry. So I, I super appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy schedule for us here. Thank you. Appreciate you guys, man. Keep doing what you do. Where can they find you? You can find me at Sleeper Wire. No, actually, I changed that. Now I'm Hoos the Prophet these days, apparently. That's H-U-S. Might be pronounced as Hus. <laughs> you, you know, some of these guys pronounce me as Hus. Jerks. So Hus the Prophet. Jerks. All of them. They're all jerks. <laughs> Hus the Prophet. Who's the Prophet. However you want to pronounce it. You can find me on Twitter saying lame stuff. I probably won't give you much fantasy advice. I just told you uh, I hate cancel culture on Twitter, so maybe don't follow me there if you don't agree <laughs> with that take. 
uh, you know, cancel culture is a great thing. Apparently, it does a wondrous things for the world. Everybody talks. <laughs> we do, and we get sell our differences. But uh, yeah, that's that's a place you can find me. You can also find me on Sleeper. Even if you don't want to find me, I'll find you with some sort of <laughs> alert. Right. Uh, it'll go off crazy in your phone and in your pocket, and you re- reach for it. You'll be like, "Oh no, my player is down." And it'll say profit who's on it and you'll curse me out for it. And I'll be like, dude, I'm just a messenger. And you'll be like, I don't care. <laughs> yep. Boom. Yep. Definitely all your fault. Yep. Henry. Man, I don't know who this uh, this Prophet Huss guy is, but he keeps hurting <laughs> all my players in these alerts, man. <laughs> this guy's just tearing Barkley's ACL every week for me. <laughs> this guy. No, it was, a, it was a pleasure finally getting the chance to speak with you, man. A knowledgeable, great dude, best networker I've met. So big respect to you, man. Thank you, Henry. You guys kill this show every week. I'm, I'm a fan of you guys, so I'm here for you guys. So keep doing what you do. Uh, you're here for a reason, and the good people enjoy you. Just just, just keep killing it. Well, thank you, sir. And that's all we have for this evening. This is another episode of Dynasty Water. Thanks for hanging with us. Peace out. Boom.